1: At our church, we have people repeat a prayer who want to place their faith in Christ. Jesus did all the hard part. He did everything but pray your prayer. I'm going to ask you just to pray with me right now. Just say these words with me. You can say those words every day for the rest of your life and die and be separated from God. The scripture does not say that Jesus Christ came to the nation of Israel and said that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, who would like to ask me into their hearts?
0: It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, boy. It's the Wretched Radio, mail call, delivery bag, QA, infotainment, nationwide extravaganza, featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and misses.
1: Any special message for all the kids watching at home?
2: What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You
0: have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now, here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall
2: Friel. The mail is here. Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. We've got the technology and you have been using it way cool 1877282 beep you can leave a voicemail message or Text 1-877-282-2337. Questions, comments, conundrum, snarks. Try to include your name in the text if you'd be so kind. Unless, of course, you would like to remain a nonimu. And if you're a Luddite and you want to keep sending stuff, all things wretched, via email idea at wretched.org.
1: All right, we start with Ryan. Todd, I was wondering whether the current conflict situation is. And Israel is a direct result of the disobedience of the ancient Israelites in not exterminating the Canaanites when entering the promised land. I
2: I, I, I don't think that any of us can tell us exactly why. We can take a look and see what the Bible says about bad stuff. But I don't think that we can know the mind of God to the point of this is because of that. Any any more than I could say, "Uh, Jimmy... Uh, slammed his knee into the coffee table because in 1984, he dishonored his parents. Now, if the Bible told me that, I could, yep, there it is. And we do see that, by the way, in the Old Testament, that God regularly states, because you did this, I'm doing that. Deuteronomy 28 lays out that quid pro quo covenant. If you act like this, you get this. You act like that, you're going to get a whacking. That's right, a whacking. So we can see that they were required to behave a certain way or there would be a consequence. And sometimes God actually identifies it's because of this sin, I'm doing that thing but he doesn't do it regarding every sin and i don't think that we can know exactly why god may indeed be pouring out his wrath even now so let's let's just move this away from israel for just a moment because i i don't want an understanding of what god is doing through evil uh, to be clouded because of israel at the moment why is there evil in the world what is god doing when wicked people like hamas do terrible things to Jewish people. Well, we have to take a look and see what the Bible says. I think there are at least two reasons that God does or permits, just to simplify things, such evil atrocities. Number one, Romans one eighteen. he is even now pouring out his wrath on those who do not obey him. Right now, God is pouring out his wrath on people before they die and go to hell because they are outside of Christ and they deserve it and God doesn't sin by doing it. God never commits a sinful atrocity, but he is the ultimate cause using proximate causes so that the efficient cause carries out the evil. So God is ultimately the cause of evil, but he's not the one responsible. So God causes by using causalities which keeps him innocent and his integrity intact because God doesn't make anybody sin. He'll use proximate causes that impact an efficient causer to commit an atrocity. So, sorry, I'm going to go back to Israel for a moment. Who's who in this, this, this drama that we're seeing unfold in the Middle East? Well, God is the ultimate cause. If God didn't want a, a city to be attacked, they wouldn't be attacked. Now, when I say want, it's not like "oh, good, this is going to be fun to watch." But no, no, no. But if it is, if if it is his divine desire for his eternal purposes, well, he's he's not sinning by being the ultimate cause. Who's the proximate cause? The proximate cause can be many things, including the devil. It, it could be a bad worldview. It could be the religion of peace, which isn't peaceful at all. Those are proximate causes that therefore inform or motivate an efficient causer who carries it out. So the efficient cause would be the terrorists. God is the ultimate cause. The proximate cause is, I think it's pretty safe to say, the devil and the religion of peace. The efficient causers are Hamas. Now maybe this will be even clearer for you. Consider the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Who's the ultimate cause of the worst atrocity ever committed? The answer is it pleased God to crush his son, to bruise his son. So God is the ultimate cause. Well, wait a second. What those people did was sinful. Did God sin? No, because you notice he didn't carry out the atrocities. He was the ultimate cause. He ordained those things. The proximate cause would be, again, many things. And some of these we can't always identify. But the the religion of Islam had become a legalistic system. Why? Well, because God simply restrained illumination and he didn't sin in doing so. So if you had wicked, hard-hearted Pharisees, self-righteous individuals, it would be because God, in part, did not grant to them salvation and he didn't sin in doing so. That that, that would be a proximate cause. The ultimate cause would be the Romans and the Jewish people who shouted, crucify him. So when we take a look at evil, we understand that God is ultimately the cause of all things because that is what the doctrine of sovereignty teaches us. But we also know that he's perfectly pure and righteous. And we also see, and by the way, if you go back and read Article 3 of the 1689 London Baptist Confession, they had this nailed back in... uh, Jimmy, what year was the 1689 London Baptist <sighs> Convention written? Was it 1689? Bingo, that's ah. the one right there. So what, what is it, 18 and So 350 years ago, they had this figured out, that God causes by using causalities, maintaining his righteous innocence. And now we return to the general concept of evil. God, through causations, allows, if you will, permits evil, just for shorthand, evil stuff to happen because he's even now pouring out his wrath. But there's other things that he's doing. Evil can be an act of kindness. I don't think that you and I grasp the shocking response that Jesus gave regarding the report that people died because of the the collapsing of the tower of Siloam and that there were Jewish people worshiping Jehovah, Yahweh at the altar and Pontius Pilate had them slain. Now, Let's try to put ourselves in that first century context by thinking about, no specifics, please, but thinking about something wicked that happens, that grabs our culture, our our national attention. Something was done so wicked, and we are all just aghast. Even, Even the pagans are like, whoa. Now imagine Jesus were walking this earth, the 21st century, and the news reporters approached him, put a microphone in his face and said, So, so, how how do you explain this, Jesus? I tell you the truth. Repent, or you're going to perish too. Whoa, whoa. So what is God doing in evil. He's calling people to repentance and faith. It is an act of kindness. And we've seen this. Maybe you've even experienced that. Maybe you're the one where something really bad happened. God got your attention and you done got saved. That's what God is doing with evil in the world. Now, again, we're keeping this separate because I can't say God is doing this to Israel because I don't think we speak it, we can't speak in generalities when it comes to evil. I think everything is custom made bad stuff now remember there's sinful and non-sinful calamities a, a, a non-sinful calamity would be the weather for instance a sinful calamity would be a human being doing something atrocious you see these reports from oklahoma you look at the decimation of a tor- tornado but there's three homes that are standing totally intact why because god determined those three people didn't need their houses demolished he knows why I don't, so we can only look at biblical explanations of why evil exists. Now, there's more reasons, of course, but what about evil for the believer? What is God doing in those things? Well, many things, frankly, but he's preparing you for ministry so that you can comfort those who go through the same stuff, and you can share the comfort that you received through your calamity, or he's producing something better in you. Uh, Heath Lambert, a paraphrase from his book, The Great Love of God, said, When calamity is done, you never have less. You only have more. Why? Because God, in his kindness, uses those events, whatever they are, to grow his children in, in the things that we may be put in the back seat. God says, Uh uh-uh, uh, these are the important things. I want you to grow in Christ's likeness. We want comfort and ease. He wants Christ-likeness. He wants us to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We want safety. We want security. He wants fruit. And he'll use those things for that end. That is a general treatise on evil. Can I now, returning to Israel, say Hamas is lobbing bombs, attacking Israel, because they— their ancestors years ago uh, didn't slay the the Canaanites totally. Um, I I can't do that because the Bible doesn't give me permission. But if I had to say, give me a yes or no, I would say no because of Ezekiel 18. That that there's the people who didn't slay the the Canaanites, the pagans, like they should have, like they were commanded to do. That was their sin not this generation's sin and so because of ezekiel 18 i would be inclined to say no i don't think so this is wretched radio So there you are on your Googler machine, trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're gonna go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable biblical health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. one bible for MediShare.
1: Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today, you handsome devil, you. Now look, we rely on you. We rely on partners just like you to keep this circus on the air, reaching all of our tens and tens of listeners with the life-changing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And many of you have already blessed us by purchasing resources from our Wretched store, and we are so grateful for that. But I humbly ask if you could consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. As a nonprofit ministry, you can be assured that we steward every single dollar you give faithfully. No problem private jets. Your gifts go directly toward our mission of preaching the gospel, equipping others to preaching the gospel, and strengthening the local church. Together, we can save souls for eternity, even if we have to drag them kicking and screaming. Learn more about what it could look like in your life to become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner by visiting wretched.org donate, or you can text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel.
0: Origen of Alexandria was a second-century theologian who wrote one of the first systematic theology books. Origen observed that heretics twisted a misused scripture by taking verses out of context. However, he refuted them by reading the verses in context and interpreting them in the light of the rest of scripture. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> ha! Sorry, it's allergies or I'm getting a word. This is Wretched Radio. I'm sensing. Jimmy, tell me if I am correctly divining that you have more questions about Israel that were beep talked. 1 282 beep. <laughs> text or sent to id at wretched.org. Am I sleuthing this correctly, sir? Yes. I figured as much. It's, <laughs> it's the subject that is on all of our minds. Uh, and I think that it's really, 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 really easy for us uh, to perhaps draw conclusions that we maybe don't have permission to. We we can understand in general terms the specifics, the exact details of what God is doing. I, I don't think they're there, but I'm going to go a step further, Jimmy. <laughs> it has to do with eschatology. Mm. Am I right? Uh, mm. yeah, maybe not. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Proof of cessationism. What's what? Was it a text? Was it a beep? Was it a what? Uh, this was an email. Yeah. This was an
1: email. This is from Jonathan. Uh, Todd, should we pray imprecatory prayers against Hamas?
2: Wow. Wow. Against Hamas. Wow. Wow. Should we pray imprecatory prayers when we're told to love our neighbor? I I, I think the answer is um, they commingle. I I do think that imprecatory prayers, they are in the Bible. I don't think that there is anything that would indicate that the book of Psalms has some Psalms that aren't appropriate for us anymore. Now, there needs to be a certain criteria that qualify an individual for being the recipient of an imprecatory prayer, a, a prayer that says, God, deal with them severely if necessary. I mean, really deal with them. And then we typically see, uh, sorry, I can't remember what the number is. It's somewhere between one and 150. The The psalm that shows a progression where the psalmist was pleading with the enemies. Um, hey, hey guys, uh, <laughs> can we wear <laughs> Please don't. Hey, please don't hurt women. and. Hey, you guys. And they don't heed the encouragements of the Jewish people to not act wickedly, and now they're at the gate. Now they're banging down the door. Now the psalmist offers an imprecatory prayer. And so I think that we need to recognize, it sh- we shouldn't be walking around going, that person cut me off, God slay them. I don't think that qualifies for an imprecatory prayer, but is, it... let me just try to, let me, let's just use a little bit of human reason for just a second. There's somebody at your door, And they mean no good. And you open up that door and they kick you out of the way to go do nefarious things in your house. Doesn't it seem like it would be fair to say, Lord, now please stop them. Do whatever it takes to put an end to this evil. That just seems right, doesn't it? So I think we do have permission under certain circumstances, to pray imprecatory prayers, but that doesn't mean that all of our sentiments and emotions are are either or. You're not just praying imprecatory prayers. Even as you pray an imprecatory prayer, you can still be loving your enemy, having compassion, knowing that the Avenger Jesus Christ is going to slay them and grind them to powder. It can be a commingling. I think we have a tendency to do this. I think we were talking about the subject of gentleness. And... I think it's right to say the posture of the Christian should be gentle. But that's not the only attribute that we have. It's it's not the only attitude that we should possess. Again, I would simply use reason. I think we have biblical permission, but I would use reason. The guy's kicking down the door. Hey, friend, that sure is a shiny AK-47. Where'd you get such a thing? Aren't you glad we still have amendment protections for carrying guns. That's like, what, what, what? No, hey, stop. And you would, you would call forth strength. Does that mean you're no longer gentle? No, it's not. It means, you know, you're a human and depending on the circumstances, it is the appropriate response to call on the strength or the humility or the loving kindness or the gentleness or the rebuke, the strong rebuke because of these circumstances. And so I think when it comes to imprecatory prayers, we can indeed offer them. Should we be doing that now? I think we should be playing, praying a lot of prayers. I, I, I think that there should be... So the answer is, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. They're doing awful things. They they are the barbarians at the gate. And we can pray, Lord, stop them. Put and This is what they are... Do- I've heard they cut off the head of a baby. okay. This is like wickedness that is going on. Lord, stop it. Please do whatever it takes to put an end to such wickedness. And if that means crushing them, do so, Lord. And in all of this, be seen as mighty and be seen as strong. And use these things to call people to repentance and faith. Let your son be glorified in this mess. Be kind to the children of Israel. We know that you still have a future plan for them and that you love them too. So protect them, keep them, and if evil must befall them, use it to bring about the knowledge of the truth that Jesus is their Messiah. Imprecatory prayer? Yeah. Exclusively? No. Idea. How are we going to do this, Jimmy? Normally, my my prompt for you is I say idea at wretched Right, right, right. But now it's eight seven seven two eight two b. And now just you say can that. You text this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Now, did anybody ask about eschatology regarding Israel? No, they didn't. Okay, because I I think I saw some of those emails that hit my inbox, and I I know that it can be easy to speculate. I I I would encourage you. Uh, To maybe hold off on drawing some end time conclusions, we need to remember that in the first century, there were earthquakes, wars, and rumors of war. Second century, ditto. Third century, ditto. Every century has all of the signs that you read the love of the world will grow cold. No doubt that in the seventh century, Christians were saying that when the Islamic hordes were invading. So, what do we do with these signs? And I think the answer is. This is my position on signs of the end times. They are not pointers toward a particular date on the calendar. They are reminders of the day that Jesus is coming back. Not determiners when, but reminders that he is coming back. And he's the avenger and he's going to deal with all of this. So when there's wars, Jesus is going to settle the score. Uh, evil activities the love of of many growing cold he's going to deal with those hard hearted haters those signs remind me he's coming back he's coming back it's okay I, I think it's kind of, I think the signs are a bit like the book of Revelation when John, no doubt, was receiving inquiries from believers who were freaking out. What is going on? Look at the the, the emperor. Oh, I wish I could remember his name. Dionysius, whatever the emperor, whatever the emperor, Domitian, whatever the emperor's name, it began with the letter D. He's doing terrible things. What, what, what are you supposed to do, John? And what is his response? It's the book of Revelation. Look up. Look up. Look at how Jesus is reigning. Look at how he breaks the seals. Look at how he returns to judge. Look at how he deals with his enemies. Look at the kingdom that he has provided where he will peacefully reign with his people. That is what should bring you comfort. That is what should bring you peace. Even in a world that is tumultuous, upside down, and where people are applauding Hamas and saying that Israel is terrible, he's coming back. He's coming back. And I think that's the posture that we are supposed to constantly maintain. He's coming back soon. It's imminent. He's, he's definitely going to come back. It's, he's coming back. And we live every day, not just when we see a sign. We remember every day he's coming back. But those signs are prompts for us to remember. But they aren't pointers to tell us, ah, we are like super, super duper. Every day we're closer, but it's like, okay, I think this is it by Christmas. This is happening. And even if you're not offering a date, even when we utter things like, you know what? It sure seems like he's going to be coming back. Now this is like, you're not going to die before this happened. Hold it. Jesus made it clear. No man knows the day. No man knows the hour. The signs should be used to remind us he's coming back, but, don't look at something, in my opinion, like Israel and Hamas and say, ah, this, in Revelation 37, verse 14, that's what it's talking about. Aha! And therefore, you can't read current events. You can't read social media feeds and newspapers on one hand with your Bible in the other. That's just, that's not the way that Revelation was intended to be read. It was intended basically to be a, sort of like, a, almost if you will, um, what do they call the cartoons that kind of have messages? Kind of, Okay, so for instance, if you saw a cartoon, it's November 5th, and you see a cartoon, the front page headline has a cartoon of an elephant with his big old foot on top of the donkey. You'd go, oh, I, I see what that is. Got it. It was a, was a good day for Republicans. Apparently, there was no cheating. How did you know that? Because you understood the symbols. That's what revelation is. And I don't think it's intended to be read like, oh, wait a second, when this happened. Besides, hasn't Islam attacked Israel like a lot historically? Didn't that start in the seventh century? So my encouragement would be, as we watch Israel and what's happening, uh, our hearts should be breaking for those people, but I don't think that we should be drawing any eschatological conclusions. This is Wretched Radio. Mexican
0: Pneumatology is a study of the Holy Spirit. Scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force or manifestation, and He is God, the third member of the Trinity. His work is not to provide emotional highs or show up in glory clouds or gold dust. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness to the Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Text us. Do anything but just text us. You're welcome. far from the tree. I think that was auto-tuned. It would have to be because let me tell you if you're a freel, you couldn't find a note if it hit you in the nose. This is Wretched Radio 1-877-282-2337 If you'd like to text whatever you're thinking about that's wretched, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, how convenient. 1-877-282-2337
1: right. we start with uh, another uh, question about Israel. Uh, Just wondering this is a text just wondering why did none of the NAR and word faith prophets and they put prophets in quotes see not see the Hamas attack coming
2: just letting that linger <laughs> One eight seven seven. I got nothing. (laughs) That's 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 satirical. And hey, whoa, 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 prophets. Where were these people who claim uh, this is what's going to happen? You're going to experience this. That's going to happen down there. This guy's going to win the election. Where were the prophecies of anybody? Did you hear any prophecies saying on this date at this time, this is going to happen to the nation of Israel? Uh Uh-uh. 1-877-282-BEEP.
1: All right. This one is from Luke. He texted in and asked, uh, there's a lot of discussion that psychology contains many secular and harmful beliefs, like normalizing sin and therapy and medicating spiritual issues. But should we completely reject psychology as a whole for having these secular aspects, or should we practice discernment and engage with the field
2: selectively? Categories super helpful. When I think of secular psychology, I don't like to look at it as a whole. I think it's better to look at it in parts because you have the observation category, Looking at a lot of people that are expressing or exhibiting the same manifestations of a particular issue. Now, there's another category. They try to trace the source of that. So it gets into science category. If we address the frontal lobe by using this sort of inhibitor, then the serotonin level will be appropriate and they will respond or feel better. That's scientific category. Then the third category is the pro- the, the the prognosis category and, the, and the, the cure category. This is what we think you need to do. Now, medication is one part of this. I'm talking about, for instance, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. What you need to do is put a rubber band around your wrist and snap it whenever you feel this way and you'll feel better. So they try to offer that. I would reject that category totally, absolutely. If they have any truth in their understanding of how one should sort through an emotional struggle, it is only because they are a blind knife that found a shed in the squirrel twice a day. I do not look to them for wisdom. What about the, the observational part? Yeah, well, thank you then we don't have to spend money as believers who have a Bible uh, trying to make observations. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And it can even be helpful. And they can even come up with descriptors that act as shorthand for us without us buying into what the malady is. But what about the science aspect? What about when they come up with medication that they claim will help you with this issue? That's the category that is indeed the trickiest. Uh, I believe there can be a a full embracing of observation, a complete rejection of psychological wisdom. The science part, though, gets a little bit tricky, which is why we need to proceed very, very carefully. It has been stated by many that the majority of psychotropics that have been prescribed for uh, anxiety disorders, depressive disorders are overprescribed. Dr. Charles Hodges says about 90% overprescribed. But can the Christian ever look at those medications and say, that could be a blessing? And I think the answer is yes. Because the problem with psychology is they want to medicate your problem. God wants to deal with it and grow you through your problem and and, and help you to become more like his son. Medication just tries to dampen everything, but it doesn't make it go away. But in some cases, and it would have to be We'd have to put it underneath the brain category. Remember, there's a distinction between your mind and your brain. It's clear something in their brain is is causing this. And if we can take medication just to stop, for instance, the repetitive thoughts, or, or just that black dog is howling so loudly, I can't hear you when you quote the Bible, biblical counselor, then I think we have permission to utilize those tools as gifts from God carefully thoughtfully, with consultation, with your pastor, I'm not kidding. Yes, with medical professionals, but listen very, very carefully to them because they do have a modus operandi. that want to fix your problem through medication. If we identify those times, and they're more rare than they are normative, when an individual just needs that so that they can then go to work on the issue of the mind... Not the brain. So the brain has been medicated to just get it into a place where now information can be received. Then you still have to go to work on the issue. So medication never makes the issue go away. If you need that in order to download good theology to apply it to your emotions and situations so that your mind starts being informed differently, then I think you can use that medication. And I'll go a step further. We need to be careful. Look, I I could rail long and hard on the overprescribing of medication, but even as I do that, I want to be mindful. It's not a shameful thing if you need that. Okay, you're just because it's been so wildly abused, and it has, doesn't mean that we should hear about somebody in our church who needs that in order to go to work biblically on their issue. Oh, you take that. Let's let's not do that to those dear ones. Idea at Wretched.org. All right. Uh,
1: this next question is a uh, text as well. It uh, is about Halloween. Todd, will you please talk about Halloween? I don't celebrate, but I have some many friends and family who do, and would just love to hear your thoughts on how to handle not doing it when the rest of the world is.
2: Uh, this is going to fall underneath Adi Offerun. This is going to be a disputable dispensation. There are some Christians who believe it is a sin to participate in any way, shape, or form with Halloween. Any way, shape, so dressing up like a, a princess, you know, or dressing up like a demon. They just they're just opposed to all of it. Candy distribution, kids going trick or treating. And and if that is your conviction and you believe it would be a sin to participate, you shouldn't. But I do believe, because this is a disputable issue, there are Christians who can say, well, we can participate in this worldly celebration. It has dark elements, but we are not going to incorporate those into our activities. So we're not going to put the creepy skeletons and the witches up, and we're not going to let our kids dress up like Harry Potter. But you can give out candy, and in my opinion, if you put your kid into a cute costume and they go trick or treating, uh, I, I, I just don't, I just don't think that you're participating in any of the nefarious activities that might be going on behind closed doors, or that you are participating in the original worldview that is behind the celebration of Halloween. I think it's indisputable. Yeah, it definitely. <laughs> satanic origins does that mean however that i can't put my kid in a costume and let him go trick-or-treating i personally am not of that conviction so let's let's treat each other with that kindness and might i encourage both parties even if you are opposed to halloween because you believe it is a sin it's a conscience issue kids are coming to your door asking you to give them something i think it's good manners to give them candy because that's the cultural norm but you can give them anything you want including evangelistic booklets which are on sale right now at wretched.org/sale wretched.org/sale give them the gospel they gimme they when they come and say trick or treat hear them say would you please give me something good Give them the good news. org slash sale. All right. Uh, that was your cue. I know. I got I'm it. I'm a little, I'm a little, my legs are wobbly on this one, Jimmy. I'm not used to all of these different, these different cues that I need to give to you now. <laughs>
1: well, I'm getting used to it too. <laughs> this is uh, from, this is from Tanner. Uh, Todd, could Satan and or the fallen angels repent and be saved?
2: No, for two reasons. One, the Bible tells us so. <laughs> that, that hell, it was prepared for them. So their fate is sealed. They're going, there is, not only is there not a hint that somehow they will be saved, it, it's quite explicit. Now they're going to spend eternity in that lake of sulfur too. Furthermore, this, this is a soteriological issue. Even if they would repent, what are they going to do with their sins? They They don't have a sin bearer it would have to be a devil that would die on behalf of another devil and that would not be a sacrifice sufficient to forgive sins they 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 don't have a they they they, they can't even have a savior now you would say well what about a, what if a good angel died for them no because it's not sufficient we need a god man we need him and we got him name is jesus christ the devils they're never going to heaven That's why they shudder. This is Wretched Radio busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel.
1: I was very unsure of what I was doing when I came in. And by the end of the appointment, Rosemary had talked to me. She had actually prayed with me because she had asked me, like, do you know about Jesus? Because I was telling her, I don't feel like God's going to forgive me for this one.
2: Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with preborn ministries? $28 per ultrasound. And preborn ministries uses good equipment, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org/slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched.
1: Hey hey! Well, October is here. That means pumpkin spice everything, everywhere you look. Plus, that also means football season is in full swing. Oh, and of course, the Devil's Day is coming up. That's right. Halloween is coming up. And I don't have to tell you that sugar hype kids are going to be coming knocking on your door, whether you like it or not. So you better be prepared. We've got a way to help you send them soaring higher than any cavity induced candy you could ever give them. I'm talking about giving them gospel booklets from Wretched. You can give them the treat of all treats this Halloween, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ christ and you don't have to skip the candy if you don't want to no you don't have to you can actually include it with the gospel booklets but gospel booklets are on sale right now in the wretched store as low as 99 cents per booklet now through the 25th and you'll want to order by the 25th so you'll have them in time for the devil's day that's halloween get them before
2: they're gone at wretched.org. So, you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well, then, we'll let Paul Washer convince you you have to support men who are
1: elder qualified proclaimers of the word when we support a man coming out of TMAI we know not only that he is properly trained but we know
2: that he will still be supervised would you please join TMAI the master's academy international in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe? It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world.
1: Hermeneutics.
0: Hermeneutics is the art and science of interpreting scripture. When reading the Bible, begin with these three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? What difference does it make? Many common mistakes can be avoided with basic hermeneutics. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: one 282org mm, I'm not getting this. This is Wretched Radio. Send whatever you want to ID at wretched.org. Don't forget, you can now text us. How sweet is that? One eight seven seven two eight All right. We
1: start with a question from Adrian. And uh, you've got a file in your folder in there that goes along with the question. But Adrian is wanting to know, Todd, what your thoughts are on the Charity Gale song.
2: Oh, the Charity Gale song. Oh, who's <laughs> Charity Gale?
1: <laughs> she's the lady that sang the song, <laughs> I Speak Jesus. I Speak
2: Jesus. Yes. All righty. What does that mean? Well, I don't know. And let's listen to the song. Well, that's, do I have it here? Yes, you do. Okay, Charity Gale. So I'm just going to do some guessing before we listen to this thing. That sounds like a contemporary lingo that somehow speaking the name of Jesus has power in it. Now do we see that in the New Testament? Yes, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're healed. Is there power in Jesus name? Yeah, the the demons hear his name and they do shudder. But does that mean we should be speaking Jesus to accomplish stuff? I have a feeling this might be kind of word faithy. Is this the one right here? That's it. The introduction. I don't remember. Please don't repeat this. Uh. I just want to speak the
0: name of Jesus.
2: Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to speak the name. I love Jesus so much. I just want to say his name, the beautiful name of Jesus. I don't know what that means. You want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. So if I speak the name of Jesus, I don't know what that looks like. It's going to affect hearts and minds. Cause I know there is
0: peace with
2: Yes, that is true. I speak Jesus. Well, that's that's not how people get the peace that surpasses all understanding. They they need to hear the words of Jesus. They need to hear the truth that he died for sinners, God regenerates them and then they have that peace.
1: I just want to speak the
0: name of Jesus.
2: And every dark addiction starts to break. yeah this, this look I, I don't know anything about this lady uh, or, or her intentions but just we've got to interpret what is presented to us and that just sounds like word faith to me mm-hmm. so somebody's a drug addict speak the name of Jesus and boom their shackles are broken well no that's just we just don't have that permission biblically. <laughs> Okay that I agree with.
1: Ask for Jesus. Okay, all right. I can
2: declaring there is hope and there is freedom and run to Jesus. You you'll he'll set you free indeed. Believe in Jesus. Yes, I believe in proclaiming Jesus, but speaking the name of Jesus it doesn't have any sort of capacity to do something mystical or magical. Now if that isn't her intention, Maybe she can call one eight seven seven two eight two beep or text her response to one eight seven seven two eight two two three three seven all
1: right. This next question comes from Emma Todd, my husband wants me to get a full time job. We have two kids uh. We have two kids, two years and eight months old. It would help financially, but I want to be honoring to the Lord first and foremost. So can I get a nine-to-five and still be a keeper at home and raise my children in the fear and
2: admonition of the Lord? Boy, I really don't want to enter into this fray. This This is family business, so in an effort to potentially provide something helpful, let me just pull back and make some general comments about working mothers. First of all, sir, just I'm just laying the groundwork here, sir, she is working when she's at home. To think that she isn't working, our concept of family and, and what makes a Christian home is radically different than biblical days. It was a little entity. It was a corporation unto itself. Mom and dad were both home. Mom and dad both worked. Mom and dad both took care of the kids. So we're, we're living in a dynamic right out of the gate that I don't think is the ideal, but to dismiss stay-at-home moms as if, well, that's not working. Oh, no, that, that's, a, that's a worldly informed attitude toward moms who stay home. They're working plenty hard. But what about ka money? we see in Proverbs 31. Again, in the context of a family corporation, yeah, she went and sold a field, but dad was probably home taking care of the kids. It was a tag team affair. It was, it was predominantly the man going out and doing the backbreaking work, the woman doing more of the nurturing and the tending and the making of a lovely, sweet home. Now, we're living in the 21st century. What does that look like? We need to recognize, I don't think that the dynamic of dad going off to work and mom staying home is the ideal right out of the gate, right out of the gate. Now, we did it, we had to do, uh, that's, that's, I went and made money. Mrs. Friel stayed, she quit her job, a good one too. And she stayed home with the kids for the next 25 years. Was that ideal? No, I don't think it was. I think it would be better if I were at home working. She shared in that work and I shared in her work. And and we did things as a family where the father is involved with more of the raising of the children. And the mom can be more involved in the work of the breadwinning. How should you work this out? I, I think you need to work it out amongst yourself. There's lots of dynamics and there could be short seasons where both parties need to be working. But I think that we can conclude this. That to put our children into the care of another, um, it can't be the best. It just can't. Now there are some people who say, "Wait a second, Grandma helps." I say, "Rock on!" That that that's that's a familial relationship that's happening there. That makes that's like the that's like the family unit doing the family unit work. Hey, uh, right now, Grandma and Grandpa, you don't have to make money. You got that sorted um but wow we kind of need some extra cash to make things happen around here could you come while we both go and do this i think that's beautiful I, I i don't think that's like okay i think that's grand and glorious but i do believe the more both mom and dad can be home working and notice no oxford comma working and raising the children that's the ideal and so i would i would simply say to the men who are in this dynamic. Are you sure your family needs that money? Are are you potentially guilty of trading in your children for finer wine or more square footage? This is heavy lifting, this is big work. You should do it in consultation with other godly men or with your elders and make the best decision you can and be on the same page together now, I know there could be exceptions to this, but this might be a very helpful rule, not just for this couple, but for every couple. When it comes to the big decisions, be on the same page or don't do it. And and you might be the husband going, but I really want her to. She doesn't want to work. I don't think you're being wise by forcing her. Now, does she need? Absolutely must, or the children are going to starve. That's a different scenario but the scenario of you just one or two, because it will enhance your lifestyle. It will help you make ends meet or even put an inheritance in the bank for your children, which is a good thing. Unless you're on the same page with the big life decisions, you do well to not move forward. Jimmy, you got anything you want to add to that?
1: No, I mean, other than the fact that I think, you know, we we do follow the idol of comfort. Um, you know, society's told us you got to be able to go on these types of vacations and do this type of thing uh and and be comfortable and i think that's why so many two parents
2: yeah i we don't know about this particular couple right 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 But i I think that's a general observation that's that's pretty trustworthy yeah and 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 accurate sort it out do it wisely and again i'm not speaking to this couple this is like a big deal this is really big deal I hope you're at the place in your marriage where you can talk through these things without it becoming World War III. Can, can, can you work through them? My encouragement to you, sir, is don't be harsh and severe in these conversations. Don't be a bully in this deal. This, she wants to be with her kids and your kids, Uh, that's not a terrible thing. So if you're getting into fights and yelling at your wife, what do you mean you wanna stay home? Are you lazy? Are you kidding? She wants to stay home and nurture and teach your kids about Jesus. And if you're the wife, I would encourage you, don't be scared when he expresses himself. Let him, that's how you work through things. If if you don't want him to like let let him express, his reasoning for it, or you just automatically dismiss it and reject it, that's a communication that is not going to take either of you very far. But with both parties submitting to King Jesus, with both parties saying we want to do this as biblically as we can, and therefore we will come to an agreement that is satisfactory to both parties, then you should be able to have a harmonious conversation about a very, very big decision. And I would add this, Go seek out some wisdom from some gray hairs in your church. Let them download their wisdom into your life. Just learn from them, and you will be proverbial wise, and you will come to the best decision and conclusion for your family. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.